Welcome to episode one of an extended hand radio. I am one of your hosts, co-founder, TEDx speaker, two-time author, Rakim Sabri. Alfonso Holland here. I am your founder of an extended hand. Um, not much accolades after that. <laughs> I, th- I think founding an organization is a pretty huge accolade and and just if i can comment alfonso has been uh the guiding hand no pun intended behind the organization and his success he is the originator of the idea and um i don't think that we would be here today with our first episode if it wasn't for your foresight and creative imagination. So uh, definitely don't downplay your contributions. Um, But since we're talking about an extended hand, I thought that today would be a good opportunity for us to kind of outline and answer some of our most frequently asked questions. And so um, if you will indulge me in uh, interview type scenario where we just kind of go back and forth I'll ask you a lot of the questions that I'm asked and, um, and we'll share our experiences and, and, and our lens perspectives on um, what those answers look like. So I'll start. Um, I've been a guest on several podcasts and usually we get to the topic of the nonprofit. Um, so I, I like to defer all of the credit to the co-founder, CEO and president Alfonso, because um, again, I don't think that we would be here um, having this conversation if it wasn't for him. Um, But an extended hand will be two years old this July. And um, we started an extended hand with a focus on ending homelessness. Um, Homelessness as an issue is a huge issue in this country. And um, we decided to combine both our respective professional experiences and expertise. Me coming out of a corporate background and environment with a huge focus on operations and um, the strategy. Alfonso coming out of a nonprofit human services background and um, marrying those skill sets, we decided to found an organization leveraging each of our strengths um, to, to create really a collective uh, superpower, if you will, in, in, in addressing this initiative. So Alfonso, I'll let you kind of talk about your background going into the founding of this organization, what your passions are, and then I'll circle back to what my experience has been um, from a learning perspective, certainly for me, but also as the co-founder and, and chief operating officer of the organization. Well, um, I am uh, working in the human services field, uh, going on 15 years now. Um, I came up with uh, starting a nonprofit after uh, my first year working with um, a CEO who has started their own nonprofit from scratch. Um, after doing a good brief interview um, for school, I learned a lot, and I thought this would be a great opportunity um, to start on. 
even though um, she told me that if she had done it all over again, she wouldn't have done a nonprofit. Uh, um, but she loves her nonprofit. So I thought, um, why not do one myself? Um, so an extended hand started as an idea in January of 2018. Um, later on that year, we did um, finalize our paperwork to become a nonprofit. I always thought of homelessness um, as a problem, um, just like uh, most Americans. Uh, you see a lot of homeless on the street. Currently, there's over 300,000 homeless individuals in the United States alone. Um, yearly, the number has dropped, but there is steadily um, new individuals who are becoming homeless. And that's, um, and that's recorded numbers. So that doesn't speak to the individuals that, um, you know, we're unable to count. Right. So uh, yearly, there is a PIT, which is the point in time survey uh, done throughout the country, um, overseen by the government, um, who does disperse funds depending on how many homeless are counted. Um, so this year, actually, we did, um, participate as an organization with the PIT. Um, so starting this nonprofit was just something that I felt necessary, um, to end homelessness or assist in ending it. Um, so we came up with this organization um our programs which are specialized in um sustaining the individuals that we work with so we have our financial education program uh which i think uh financial literacy information through an educational platform we also have our employment development program uh, which develops to become qualified contributors to the workforce and we have an individualized holistic care program. And that's incorporating lifestyle changes, life-saving techniques like CPR and first aid, and strategies to improve mental and physical health, um, including you know, spirituality. So here's a question that I'm asked often, and, and I answer it one way, but I'm, I'm gonna ask you the question for the audience. It's it's very well known that, or at least it should be well known that we both participate in full-time jobs during the day. And so the question that I'm asked frequently, in addition to, to juggling um, the full-time job and the nonprofit and a, a budding career in speaking and, and authoring, how do we find the time to start or found an organization and then kind of lay the groundwork to move the organization forward. I mean, we're, we're two years old this August, this coming August, but um, what's your take on the, the split of our time rather? And, and, and what would your advice be to an individual or individuals looking to start an organization of their own, whether it be for profit or nonprofit? So, uh, like everyone, we have 24 hours in a day. Um, we juggle our full-time jobs. Um, 
to make our money, of course. Um, but there's always time to do other things. Uh, so instead of watching TV, um, being outside with friends, uh, roaming the streets, period, um, or social media if you're not being paid for it, um, you can work on your business. Um, so you have to dedicate time. I mean, even if, if it's two, two hour, one hour, two hours, three hours, there is plenty of time in the day to do other things. Um, when you aren't sleeping, you only need eight hours of sleep. Um, so that gives you, what, 16 hours to do whatever you may need to do. Most people are working eight hours a day. So that's another eight hours free. Um, and, you know, there's other things that you may need to do during the day, but there's always hours available to do work for yourself um, and become an entrepreneur. Um, so I myself, I've stayed up late night working on businesses. Um, I was up, you know, two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, just working on my own stuff um, when I'm not busy at work. And then even when you're at work, you may have downtime so you can focus, you know, do some research or something can be done while you're uh, at your nine to five getting paid. On your breaks, you can use that time to um, advance your own business. And that's something, too, that um, that I had experience with, and, and I know you know, but just kind of for the audience, when I was writing both books, but, but namely my second book, you know, when it's game time, it's game time. And so there were frequently instances where I was up after working all day, coming home, going to the gym, um, and typing getting the ideas out there, refining my craft, making sure that the words were coming out the way that I wanted to, that they were um, easily digestible, um, corralling the different stakeholders, if you will. And, you know, what does my graphic design look like? Who's editing? Who's formatting? Um, you know, how are we curating the content? How are we testing the content? And then, of course, compiling it so that it was a, a product that I was happy with and that I felt was worthy of general consumption. So, you know, what you're saying is real. And I think a lot of people, particularly millennials, um, are straddling this rope with a lot of the information out there that speaks to working on your passion or um, sacrificing what is a secure and steady income in your day job for working in your passion. I think what we've been relatively successful with in the time that we've um, had this organization is, is really balancing both. And so when people ask me the same question, I say that, first of all, all of my interests are aligned. I've been working in financial services for uh, going on 10 years. And so that's really kind of where the foundation for my business acumen came. Um, specifically working in banking and the speaking topics and authoring topics that I 
generally circulate around is financial education. And of course, um, spearheading and co-founding this organization with a focus on our financial education program has been relatively light work compared to, I think, the whole in that the financial education is just a reiteration of what I do day in and day out as I express my passions through the various mediums. So I think um, it's important to definitely maximize the time that's available to you when you are not sleeping and not working, but also trying to align what it is that you're passionate about with what you're consuming or what you're expending energy on, on a day-to-day basis. So uh, thank you for, for answering that question. And, and I know you, you um, kind of jumped into what our program offerings are, but I wanted to speak a little bit more about how um, we came up with those programs. And then um, my general take as I started down the path to um, working towards ending homelessness. So uh, for the listeners that are unfamiliar with me, I grew up in New York and um, there's homelessness everywhere, but there's certainly homelessness in New York. So I actually became very desensitized to homelessness because it was just so prevalent. And you just kind of learn as, as a young kid to look past homeless people, um, especially if you don't have the means to, um, to give them anything. But with that comes the stigmas associated with, you know, why an individual is homeless or um, what your belief system looks like as to why they continue to remain homeless. You, you tend to think, oh, well, if I was homeless, I would go get a job. This person is lazy, so on and so forth. So when, when we got together and, and started talking about the organization, with a focus on human services, specifically um, homelessness as a social cause, I had to re-educate myself and resensitize myself to what homelessness looks like and really what the spectrum of homelessness, homelessness looks like from it, its varied iterations, whether it be um, as, as, as young as um, pre-high school age students who literally wake up and go to school so that they can get breakfast and lunch to the um, homeless veterans who come back after fighting for this country. And then they're, you know, they're battling with PTSD or, you know, whatever is ailing them and and they literally cannot find the support or um, meet the criteria to get support and so they end up in a situation where they are homeless. And there's so many examples in between that I um, frequently talk about. But, you know, this undertaking, this journey around educating myself with the spectrum of homelessness and what that looks like has been very eye-opening to me. Um, and then, you know, coupled with my, um, my hand in financial education, uh, the biggest eye-opening piece of this journey has been how many Americans with the low levels of financial literacy that we demonstrate are a paycheck or two away from being homeless and how real and how close that reality uh, is and can be for a lot of people. I mean, there's statistics circulating out there that speak to um, how most Americans can't even or don't even 
have $1,000 saved and reserved in case of an emergency. And so when we're talking about individuals who don't have steady housing, um, but the possibility exists for them to have a car or for them to have a cell phone or for them to even be employed, um, just not earning a wage that supports um, long-term or permanent housing. So can you speak a little bit about, you know, some of the insights that you have into uh, what homelessness looks like and some of the ways uh, that work that we're working to combat homelessness? I know that's an inside joke between us, <laughs> but some of the ways that we're working to combat homelessness through our program offerings. I've done a lot of research on homelessness. Um, that's a main focus of, that I had inside uh, Goodwin College. Um, like Rakim said, there's a lot of individuals who are homeless, um, not because they're lazy. Uh, it's just because they don't have enough money to support um, a living arrangement that we all have. Um, as far as housing, you know, some of them are sleeping in their car or sleeping on the streets um, or couch surfing like a lot of the kids do. Um, that, that are homeless. So, you know, we hear a lot about uh, in politics now, them talking about the unemployment rate is going lower. Um, and although the employment rate is going lower, that does not mean that those who are becoming employed are able to live off of that wage. Um, a lot of the jobs are um, jobs which are per diem, um, or part-time. Um, so per diem is, if you don't know, um, as needed. So you sometimes are just called in to work um, when they need you to come in to work. Um, so it's not a permanent everyday job. So you're not getting a regular check. So you can be working, um, but not getting paid regularly. You have a job, but you're not working all the time. Um, so having a job doesn't mean you are getting a check. Um, it just means you have a job um, that you will sometimes go into. Um, so with having that, you're not getting enough money to uh, pay your rent. Um, a lot of people may have cars, which are, uh, you know, maybe a bucket, so they didn't pay that much for the car. So they're able to live in the car um, and not have to worry about paying rent on the car, you know, um, just put gas in it and to keep themselves warm. They may start it up every once in a while in the wintertime, especially here in New England, it gets very cold. Um, so it's very, uh, homelessness is, is very, uh, a very big problem. We uh, currently have over 3,000 and um, I think it was, no, 2,089 individuals um, who are homeless uh, that were over the age of 18. Um, and families, there is 933 people experiencing homelessness. Uh, so a lot of times, you know, people can't go to shelters. Um, 
so they're out on the street. Um, and right now it's big on individuals uh, who are experiencing homelessness. Um, you know, there is a lot of supports for families, a lot for women um, with children, but we really have to um, think about the men who are on the streets and they don't, they are on the streets because they want to be, um, it's, it's, they have to be. Um, so I really am passionate about um, helping these people um, to better themselves and get get supports. Um, so that's why I teamed up with Rakim um, to make this possible. Well, we kind of talked about the uh, the age of the organization. You know, we're still very much in our infancy, but learning and growing every day. I recently uh, was in a conversation with someone speaking to you know what our focus was initially. And that, um, and and still is our focus is is homelessness. But um, you know, here in Connecticut, we are faced with a tremendous amount of competition in the homelessness space for resources. So we have um, we've learned to kind of take a pivot, if you will, and focusing on the educational aspect of preventative uh, measures to homelessness, while still addressing homelessness out of our own pocket when we do um, clothing drives and supply drives and work with community leaders and organizations to address the homelessness in this area. But I was recently asked on a podcast, um, do we have aspirations to expand? And so uh, the answer is yes. I think we have to still strategize around what that looks like um, because we certainly want to have a presence. We, we would like to have a national presence. We would like to be a nationally recognized brand. Um, but again, still very much in our infancy. And I think what a lot of people feel encouraged and, and even a breath of fresh air, if you will, is that we are millennials who are addressing this social cause. So um, homelessness and, and the organizations that we've interacted with, the leadership around um, you know, pushing forward the charge are usually individuals who are um, certainly older than we are. And so coming in as uh, subject matter experts on the cause and as huge advocates for addressing not only the symptom of homelessness, but what is the root cause through financial education and healthcare advocacy and helping people understand what's necessary to go out and prepare for jobs or entrepreneurship. Um, and then of course, the mentoring element where we combine all of those initiatives and focus on the youth or uh, what would be considered the at-risk youth um, or pre-homeless individuals. I think that our strategy and our approach is unique. And so I think some of the, the reasons for starting this show was to definitely create more brand awareness because who knows how far this, this the reach of this is. And, and certainly with some of the initiatives that I'm involved in and, and definitely the exposure that I've been given and the work that both Alfonso and I do, um, we can make this, we can make enough noise around this to get the ball rolling. I think that's what our, our intent is. So I want to, um, to ask you Alfonso and, you know, obviously I know the answer to this, but for the audience, mm-hmm. how can people support us? Where can people find us? And um, 
And maybe you want to give a, a fun fact for Black History Month because we are we're starting this podcast here in the month of February, 2020. Um, so you know, Vision 2020, new decade, new focus. The theme of the year is certainly clarity. So um, let's get started with how can people find us and how can they support us. Well, currently we do. Have- have a uh, web page um, so you can find us on aeh-ct.org um, we're also on um, facebook uh, instagram and twitter linkedin at an extended hand um, so all of which you can find us you can follow us uh, see what we're doing um, on our web page we do have a, a blog um, that we keep up with pretty regularly um, with information regarding homelessness and um, current events. So if you want to learn more about that, please um, go to our page and you will definitely see some interesting information. Don't just visit our page. Please, you know, let us know that you're there. Like our our content, share our content, subscribe to our content. Uh, We're looking to engage with people um, both ways. So um, we don't want to just put content out there and, and, and educate people. And certainly that's a, a, a big focus of ours, but understanding the nature of social media and, and what viral content looks like, right? We're not posting about fights. We're not posting about arguments. We're not posting about trends. Sure, we'll, we'll, we'll try to play the social media game and, and jump on you know, the bandwagons around um, what are viral hashtags or viral trends, but we're putting out information that uh, most would probably consider boring. And so, you know, there is definitely competition for people's attention. So when we talk about um, our organization and what we're looking to accomplish, uh, again, another reason for us starting this show was to create more awareness in a way that um, content is being consumed, certainly, and that individuals can can really understand where we're coming from and, and hopefully that it resonates and kind of pulls on their heartstrings, right? To engage with us, share our message, share our vision, because maybe it's not impacting you today, or maybe it's not relevant to you today, but that like that share, that comment can draw the attention of somebody that maybe it is impacting or draw the attention of somebody who can help us make a difference. So that engagement is key for us, whether it be, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. If you see something, post a, a quick comment, a like, share. Uh, we, we appreciate all of that engagement. Right. And um, in sharing it, you're also, you're, you are bringing it to um, someone else who may know someone who needs um, some type of support. So um, we do have information up there on a lot of services in Connecticut. Um, so if you know anybody um, in this area who needs supports, um, definitely visit the page, share it, um, because someone may need that little information um, that we have provided. It is Black History Month, so we will be bringing to you individuals um, in the Black community who have brought our society um, a little closer. So today we have Dr. James E. West. Um, He has co-invented 
the microphone that in which um, I am using to speak to you today and Rakim also. More than 90% of the microphones used today, um, including the ones in phones and cameras, were co-invented by James. Uh, he is someone who we are thankful for um, because our phones, we all speak to each other through our phones and cameras um, and podcasts, you know, uh, your music you're listening to that definitely people are singing through a microphone. So I think he is someone we should definitely thank um, for his invention and and helping society uh, speak to one another when we aren't able to see each other. We, um, I think we're, we're going to cut it here. We appreciate you guys tuning in again, please share our content, whether it be the podcast, the website, Anything that we post on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, follow us at an extended hand or an extended hand Inc. And uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you.